Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. She doesn't even go here. Yesterday I did Gucci, so and today Fendi, so. It's hot. Hey, it's Nikki Jensen. And Brie Piccone. And we're Late Late to the Party, Party. a weekly podcast about film, fashion, and pop culture from two best friends mentally telling Nick Cage to snap out of it in 1987. And today we are with a very special guest all the way from Australia. I almost tried to attempt to do an Aussie accent, but I will refrain. (laughs) Um, The host of Podcast Around the Corner, a Nora Ephron podcast, Shawnee Mead. Hey. Hey, hi. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here and talk all about Cher and Moonstruck and all that. And thank you for not doing an accent. (laughs) (laughs) Do you get that a lot? Um, not, well, not really, but often, sometimes if I travel, people try and do an accent, but yeah, usually it's me having to put on an accent because people don't understand what I'm saying. Well, we've seen the Mary Kay Nashley classic, Our Lips Are Sealed, so we got you. We know all yeah. there is to know yeah. about Aussies. <laughs> we love the Veronicas growing up, so we got you. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, today we are talking about Moonstruck, starring Cher. So what is your relationship with this film? I think I saw it, oh, I don't even remember. I think the first time I saw it maybe 10 years ago, I think. I feel like maybe I'd vaguely seen it before as a kid. But yeah, I watched it as an adult for the first time then, and I just completely fell in love with it because I love well it's sort of like a traditional rom-com but also it feels a bit like it's got some fairy tale sort of elements thrown in with all the stuff on the moon and you know everything and I yes (laughs) yes there's a wolf in you all that but um yeah I just feel like it's a really magical sort of movie but I love that there is like a romantic love story element but it's also about a love story between you know members of the family and just I love that it's just about the community as well which that you know I love you to see around the community to see in all the different shops and all the different you know all their neighbors I just really love that and you know Cher and Nicolas Cage just yeah bounce off each other so well it's just they're a perfect pairing in this <laughs> they are and I know uh mm. Cher mm. really pushed to have Nick Cage star in this movie mm. yeah because the I think the filmmakers thought he was too young and she was like no I like He's going to be able to do it. He is. I mean, no one else could have brought that level of chaos that it needed for the role. But also, he's still endearing. But yeah, he's definitely in like full on cage chaos mode. (laughs) Yes. I love his monologues when he just like goes off the rails. My hand. (laughs) Um, But it's funny that you mention the little like elements of like the neighborhood and the family, which, you know, we just rewatched Moonstruck for this podcast. And this is the first time because we're speaking with you and you talk Nora Ephron on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you see any similarities? Because now that I'm thinking about it, mm. the world building is very similar to like a You've Got Mail. Yes. I feel like they are very similar because it's well, one, it's the New York setting. 
but it's also yes it's in the city and it's in Brooklyn as well but it has a very like neighborhood sort of feel like you kind of go further away from the city part of it and you're in the kind of suburban parts of the neighborhood and yeah it's just kind of every character even if they're in it for a couple of minutes or have one line or they're just someone walking along they always feel like real people like it definitely the world building in this is spot on like it feels very real and yeah the relationships between people and the kind of script itself has a very Nora kind of feel to it the way people talk the kind of funny quips that people make and yeah and I feel like it's also very similar to Joan Micklin Silver's film Crossing Delancey because that's also set in New York and that has that vibe that it's about relationships between people the neighborhood that sort of thing and yeah I just really I feel like this definitely has Nora vibes for me. <laughs> for sure. Well, like a Nora Ephron film, I was like, mm. I turned over to Brie and I was like, this film is really mature. I don't know what that says about the movies that I watch, but it's <laughs> the way it handles love and relationships and those dynamics and family. Mm. It's really mature. Yeah. Mm. Like her relationship with um, Johnny. I feel like the way they handle the relationship with Johnny is kind of similar to like in You've Got Mail, how Meg Ryan's character it like breaks up with her boyfriend at that time. They're like, you know, this isn't working, mm. is it? Okay. You know, like that just yeah. level of handling relationships. Yeah. And I think because she feels like she's been married before her husband died and she's kind of like, well, you know, I've had my kind of love story and now I'll just, you know, he's a nice guy. I'll just marry him. But then she meets, you know, the brother and it's all just fireworks and chaos and but they actually work really well together and it sort of you know kind of wakes her up again and brings like it makes her realize again that she can you know have a love story not just settle for kind of a companion or just being comfortable she can can let her freak flag fly (laughs) (laughs) yeah well it it seems like because in the beginning of the movie we meet Cher's character Loretta and her boyfriend who is just a putz A lovable putz. And like he can't even propose right. Like the whole restaurant and Mm. and Loretta are like (laughs) telling him how to propose. He can't order for himself. He doesn't have a ring. He's like just ridiculous. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, on the share topic, I feel like this is share as an actress. Her, well, this is the one she wins the Oscar for, for one thing. But it's, it's just the one most synonymous with share as far as an actor. But what's your favorite Cher performance? Um, I think this is definitely one of my favorite Cher performances. Um, I also really love her in Mermaids. Mm-hmm. She's like, I love her character in that. She's really great in that. But also, which is one I hadn't seen before, but we watched it for the Nora podcast. But in Silkwood, like, she is absolutely brilliant in that. Like, yes, it's kind of, you know, Meryl's show, but Cher is you know phenomenal in that that was actually her first kind of really serious acting role and she just like straight out of the gate she was just a complete natural but she's a really good actor I think because she's yeah yeah and I think a lot of people do that uh or like you know singers moving into acting but actually she just I think she was always a performer she's a big personality and she just fits put share in to kind of get you know people to watch the movie and go and she's not very good but she's always brilliant I think but I agree. Uh, my favorite share is Silkwood. I think she's phenomenal in that movie. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think anytime because she's oh, go ahead. not very glam. In, she's not very glam in Silkwood, which from my research, she kind of, Meryl said that Cher was like really uncomfortable with that, but she kind of just, you know, got over it and really just got into the character. And by the end, she didn't care that she didn't have any makeup on and had kind of drab hair and clothes. And she just really, you know, got stuck in. So. Yeah, I feel like anytime Cher is stripped down, you know it's going to be good. Like in the beginning of this film, mm. you're like, this is going to win the Oscar because she's stripped down. Yes, yes. And back when the Academy would actually consider rom-coms for awards. Bring that back. Yeah. And bring back good rom-coms. I know. Well, we, yeah, yeah that's kind definitely. of a lost art. <laughs> yes, it definitely is. But uh, yeah. But I mean, Meg's coming back. Meg Ryan's bringing a rom-com back this year. So I know. Um, what do you think yeah, about I'm that? Feeling, I am so excited. I mean, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm going to have to wait longer than my American friends because it doesn't have a release date in Australia. So I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. everyone's going to be talking about it. And I'm going to be like, I haven't seen it. But I'm really excited about it. And from what I've heard, it's very kind of Nora. You can tell that she was inspired by Nora, which I think in the film, I think she dedicated the film to Nora or something. Mm -hmm. Or, But yeah, I think she really brought, you know, all of her rom-com expertise. It's definitely one of those like Nora Ephron premises, which is like cemented as like the rom-com premise in my mind. Where it's like you're stuck in an airport. Yes, yes. It's like this random situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, then it means it's pretty much just all about the dialogue, which Nora was all about that. That was her, you know, the dialogue was the most important thing. So I like yeah. that Meg's kind of gone that route as well with this movie. But, you know, I feel hopeful for the state of the rom com if, you know, Meg is returning to us <laughs> in our time. Yeah, of sure. Try to stay hopeful. Yeah. Well, speaking of dialogue, this film has some really great monologues starting, I think, with the well, because the plot of the film, it's Cher is going to marry Johnny. His wish when he's going to his dying mom in Sicily is that Cher invites his brother Ronnie to the wedding. And so she goes to Ronnie and Ronnie's there in the bakery with his like hand. Yeah. So he has a yes. monologue there, yes. and then yeah. it just ensues. Mm. What are your thoughts on the opening intro to John or Ronnie? Oh, Ronnie Johnny. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's especially for a Nicolas Cage character. Like, it seems like a perfect way to meet him. But I mean, straight away it just lays out why the brothers haven't spoken, why you know, and also I think because Johnny's a coward, he's left it up to Loretta to have to sort it out because he doesn't want to have to go and apologize and deal with his bakery madness but mm. yeah I think it's a perfect because it lays out that you know he's had a thing against Johnny forever because he had a fiance and then for some reason Johnny distracted him or something and his hand was chopped off in the bread cutter so he has a wooden hand and you know goes around yelling things like you know I lost my hand I lost my bride and like that and then <laughs> the bit when he yells to the woman in the bakery like Chrissy get me the big knife and clearly yeah. you can tell Chrissy's he's asking Chrissy that all the time and she's like I won't I won't do it I won't do it and even her bit when she's like you know I'm in love with this man and he doesn't even know what I'm like I just Chrissy just my like, heart goes out to Chrissy in the few <laughs> moments that we meet her but yes, yeah talk but then about just, a toxic <laughs> work environment yes yes because he's like yelling and screaming and I feel like everyone in the bakery just kind of is just like on eggshells with him all the time but 
you know. But Loretta's tough. She doesn't put up with yeah. the shit, and then she's not even fake. Yeah, end up. Yeah, and then they end up in his apartment, and then she's you know yelling at him about being a wolf without a foot, and he's yelling at her a bride without a head. I'm like, it's very. But yes, from that chaos, they kind of, you know, clearly they just mesh really well together. I think they understand each other, and they don't just. She won't put up with his stuff, and you know he needs that because otherwise he's just running around yelling about the big knife all the time. So. Yeah. And also, <laughs> uh, he kind of tells but, yeah. her what to do, which obviously she doesn't get a lot. Mm. Or like gives he. I feel like he also gives her permission yes. to kind of not like be so. Um, I don't know to let go a bit, let loose, like just live life, like be imperfect, maybe. Yeah. Mm. To do yeah, the wrong and I feel thing. Like he, yeah, and I think he kind of yeah makes her remember that she can actually live her life with you know some passion, some gusto. She doesn't just have to go along, kind of being just stuck in a rut. Sort of, she can be yeah. a big, powerful person that she has been all along. But yeah, I think they really complement each other perfectly. They bring out the good things in each other and kind of tamp down maybe the like you know more chaotic parts. Because he does seem a lot calmer when they're together. (laughs) Definitely. I love when he throws the table across the room and grabs her and kisses her. (laughs) And she's like, wait. And then then she kisses him. So it's like she's making the choice for herself. It's it's very, like I said before, mature. It's interesting. Yes. And then a bit sort of like really dramatic, but also a bit silly. And then the way she's just like, take me to the bed. And then he's like... (laughs) It's just that whole bit's kind of it is mature, but it's also silly as well. Like yeah. it just that yeah. bit is really funny. And then the next, you know, morning when he's like, I love you, and she's like, Snap out of it. Slaps I love that bit. Like, Iconic. <laughs> Slap him. I love that bit. But uh <laughs> Well, I think Gene Siskel even said that it was a comedy. Sorry. Oh, I was saying then his love for opera, which is like, you know, I think also feeds into his chaos because opera's very chaotic, but uh, are you, are you guys opera yeah, fans? Yeah, definitely. I am. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, sort of. <laughs> I haven't really been to that many, but... I've fallen asleep in an opera. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> You're not crying there. <laughs> I haven't seen La Boheme, though, so... No. No, I haven't either. <laughs> I've seen Rent. Does that count? <laughs> Maybe, I mean, rock, rock opera, that counts. <laughs> um... And also around this time where there's this theme of the moon. Yes. Yeah, let's <clears throat> yes, let's talk love, about the moon. I love mm, I love that that's yeah. a theme. Yeah, I love the moon in this. And I also love the way that especially that one scene where it's nighttime and everyone's looking at the moon, that it's this like comically large moon that's just like <laughs> out of everyone's window and it's like this massive, ginormous moon is just everywhere. And but I love how that's when like the fairy tale element comes into it that sort of everything's kind of normal but then the moon is there and like i especially love loretta's uncle you're going it's cosmos moon and then he's like the moon and look at you like you're so beautiful and you look like you're 16 all over again like i just and she's kind of first of all thinks he's being silly and then she's just like enchanted by that because he just he's so excited about the moon and mm-hmm. and the grandpa that he's out with the dogs like looking at the moon and he's i mean the grandpa is hilarious he's always just wandering <laughs> around with his dogs hanging out with his mates in I the cemetery the with all the dogs <laughs> You could but, say they yeah, are moonstruck. Ah, you could. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You could. Maybe they could have. They should have named the movie that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, but it was going to be called "The Wolf and the Bride" or "The Bride and the Wolf." Hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah, that doesn't, doesn't really have work. the same ring. Not the same. No. And it makes it sound like it's sort of a, I don't know, like a period drama or like a, like you know. Maybe the Beast or something. Gods yeah. and wizards and like a fantasy sort of. Yeah, it doesn't really. But yeah, I do love how that brings in the big sort of fantasy element that the moon is sort of the thing that's making everything happen and that's making everyone kind of let go of their, you know, inhibitions and stuff. And it's just the moon, it's magic. It's such a whimsical way of, because when we're talking about like full moons, usually it's like you go crazy on the full moon, but at least with this, it's like, Mm. it's like whimsical and it's like bringing out your, yeah, your like purest, like your true self, like that dark side that you Mm. like hide. Yeah. And Loretta keeps trying to, once she and Ronnie, that, you know, sort of together, but then she feels guilty because, you know, she's engaged to his brother who's in Sicily, who keeps calling ridiculously all the time and his mother who apparently is dying is actually not and now she's like she's up she's getting up she's walking around she's cooking like I think he's actually just we just make him seem completely pathetic but she keeps then trying to tell you know Ronnie that they shouldn't be together and then he goes like but love's not meant to be nice like it's meant to break our hearts and yeah all of that bit and he has to kind of go stop just going back to how it was before like we can have a life together that's exciting and I know that you want that as well, but you're trying to, you know, go back to how it was before. Yeah. yeah. And I love when they go to the points. opera and then, yeah, she kind of like gives herself permission to get glam. Like she goes to the salon, she gets her hair done, she like buys a fancy yes. new dress. And I love the makeover scene. And like she's giving herself permission to sort of be herself again, I think. Yeah, I love, and the way she just has the fire on and she's just, you know, spreading out their clothes and just like being at one with, letting herself glam it up for the opera. Definitely. I think it's really interesting in that initial meeting with Loretta and Ronnie in the kitchen, how Loretta is like, I know who you are, Ronnie. Like you're this wolf and you bit your own hand off because you were afraid. And Mm -hmm. she's very astute. Like she's correct about that. But then we spend the rest of the movie with Loretta and how she's learning to be vulnerable and live and love herself. Mm. yeah definitely and I think it's funny the way she's bringing up like you know there's a wolf in you which is funny because she heard that from that couple at the liquor store that she stopped in one night and got like a bottle of wine or something and the wife was going you know there's a wolf in you and then they're having this sort of funny little conversation where the couple are then laughing so I love that she heard that from them and then met Ronnie and that's where I was like oh I totally get the there's a wolf in you thing because I've met someone that fits that whole thing and it's yeah, and pretty hairy. Like, At least you know. it's just like I don't know. It kind of looks like a wolf, <laughs> but like it's kind of hot. It's giving Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. mm. Oh, but back to the makeover before like the opera. Nicholas Cage hair. Yeah. Yes, that is that's such a great scene. Like I really just I love that scene. And then she's just like full on share from then on. What is your relationship with Cher, by the way? Like, do you love her music or just her film work? What's your ah uh, your shareography? My shareography. Yeah, I do like her music, but I think most of my relationship with Cher is through her acting. Like when I was a kid, I watched Mermaids all the time because it's one of my mom's favorites and we'd just, we'd watch it together. So yeah, I think I saw that tons. So that was like my first experience to Cher. And then my mom really loved the Sonny and Cher show when it was on. And then when it first came out on DVD, we got those, so we'd watch all of those together. So then I got like a you know, intro to 
pre sort of 90s share mm-hmm. but um yeah I do like her music as well it's not I do think I prefer her share as an actress rather than a singer like her music's not totally my style but it's still great but yeah <laughs> and I mean that the Oscars you know in 88 when she won the Oscar for Moonstruck I mean that outfit she had on that Bob Mackie beaded dress is just like it's fabulous that dress yeah. no she's definitely a style I think she can icon. still get into it yeah she definitely is i feel like i just grew up yeah. on her music and yeah. like 90s share was kind of like mm. is what i came into consciousness yes. so yeah same. yes i think that was probably like the first auto tune i'd ever like you know yeah. come across that yeah probably. or like the share greatest hits because my mom looks like share a little bit so she growing up it was all share all the time she was obsessed with share too yeah <laughs> just lots of gypsies tramps and thieves around my house but also moonstruck yeah. because yes. italian american <laughs> so i mean she's not even italian but no, she but... is very convincingly italian yes but... it's hard to believe but i think we just accepted her we're just like okay it's like snooki we just say we know you're not but you are yeah <laughs> I can't believe I just compared Cher and Snooki. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Jersey Shore. Hot takes. Yeah. Late to the party. Yeah. We try to have hot takes. <laughs> Maybe not so much of a hot take. I can't help but watch like this movie in Silkwood and think of A Star is Born. Yeah. Like Gaga's Gaga. acting turn. Like a singer turned actor. Yeah. I haven't really seen much of Lady Gaga's sort of acting output for, but from what i've heard it is kind of the share thing that you know she actually just naturally just really takes to acting i mean she always almost plays kind of share kind of roles i feel mm-hmm. like everything that lady gaga has been in i think because like share she's also a big personality so she just yeah it's like when they strip down that's when the acting comes out mm-hmm. yeah which i love speaking of performances can we talk Nick Cage, the wolf, which is this his debut or is, I guess, breakthrough role? Yes. What are your thoughts on Nick Cage? I this I think this is him at his like perfect Nick Cage temperature. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's done a lot of action films and stuff like that, but I always feel like Nicolas Cage is best in kind of rom-com mode, like because there's another film, It Could Happen to You, where he and... Bridget Fonda win the lottery and that's got like a very New York fairy tale sort of feel as well Ooh. but I feel like yeah that's definitely one to check out that's also a good 90s film but I mean sometimes in things he's almost like too chaotic but yeah I think it's the right balance in this and also it works in this because the film has kind of a hyper real quality to it at times so the fact that he is such like a heightened character it works in this and I feel like if they'd asked another actor to kind of try and bring that energy to this film it would have come off as sort of comical or it felt like they were trying too hard to be just you know this big massive character but I think he just it's naturally chaotic I think it's just natural it's just natural to him to bring the chaos (laughs) I love that about him but yeah Moonstruck is definitely that right amount of chaos yeah yeah, because otherwise, like, he can then veer into, like, face-off territory where it's just, like, completely just, like, off the map. Chaos. John Travolta? Or is it John Travolta? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, who's he's also chaotic. He brings that uh, yeah. same energy. 
Yes. But yeah, Nicolas Cage and Face Off is just like off the walls. Not everyone can can bring that kind of chaos. And then other films like, yeah, no, they can't. And then oddly in Con Air, everyone else is bringing the chaos and his character is sort of calm. Ooh. It's like, and really John Malkovich is doing the Nicolas Cage kind of role in that. Interesting. That's another one I want to see. Nicolas Cage is very much like the the hero of the film because, yeah, it's about a plane filled with all these dangerous convicts, but then he's on the plane as well, but he's, I think he's going to be released, but he's just on this plane and the others are being moved to, like, you know, high-security facilities, but they're all pretty scary dudes and they all take over the plane and then Nicolas Cage has to try and save the day with his... All those, you know, gifts where he's got really long hair, like, blowing in the breeze. <laughs> yeah. That's from and he Con doesn't Air. bring the chaos. No, he's actually quite normal, like, action hero in that everyone else is bringing the chaos. I feel like Con Air is one of those movies, like, at the blockbuster. You know, when they would show on the TVs a random movie? That's one of those for yes. me. Where I'm just like, oh, I've seen mm. his flowing locks. But yeah. I can't read the, di- like, the dialogue. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely, a, you know, it's fun. It's very... One of those, like, you know, high concept, elevator pitch kind of 90s movies that it's all just there. It says it on the chin, what it is, and it's just it's perfect. I mean, Nicolas Cage and Cher are a really great match for each other, especially mm. in that opera scene where it's, yes. they have all this intensity before, but then it's mm. just such a sweet and tender moment when she turns over to him and she has, like, tears in her eyes and he, like, holds her hand. Yeah. Yeah, and he's watching her because I think he says that, you know, he only has two loves in his life and it's opera and her. So I think the fact that she's so taken with opera as well because she hasn't been before. So the fact that she is so, like, overwhelmed by, like, you know, the beauty, but the sadness of the opera. And I do love that moment where he sort of just looks at her and she's kind of like, I get it, yeah. that life like should be beautiful and chaotic. and Yeah. And I don't really feel like I noticed the age difference that much but no. I think some people will talk about it but like who cares not as much as with was... her and like the other guy Johnny yeah he even seems too old for Cher but I know Cher's like 40 in this film yeah and I think Nicolas Cage was like 23 or something yeah but yeah you can't tell though like Cher just looks so fabulous yes yes definitely and another performance that I really love um Olympia Dukakis as Cher's mother yes rose i think she was nominated for an oscar as well for supporting Uh, actress but i believe she won yes she won and it's an oscar well deserved yeah definitely but she is so brilliant in that and a lot of her dialogue is kind of very nora like she gets all the kind of dialogue about differences between men and women and the fact that every man she meets she's always asking why do men chase women (laughs) and she's always just like i want someone to give me the answer and no one will Mm-hmm. And then someone finally says it's because, you know, we fear death. And she's like, aha, mm-hmm. finally, like someone has like given me the answer. That is such a Nora Ephronism. She's just perfect in that. Like it's very, you know, actually when Harry Met Sally came after this, but yeah, it's that very kind of just exploring the full on differences between men and women and how they interact and how they interact in the world. But yeah, she's fabulous in that. And I really love the scene with her and John Mahoney. Mm-hmm. The dad that's my Frasier. favorite yes but yeah he's the guy that it's this restaurant that the family go to all the time and it's this guy that he's always there with much younger women and then they always end up getting up from the table and screaming and throwing their water in his face he's just that guy but then yeah one night 
Rose is there kind of by herself for dinner and then another girl storms out and throws water in his face. But then he and Rose end up having dinner together and, you know, and then she goes like, you know, what you don't understand about women is a lot. Mm-hmm. But, um, I even yeah, love- and then he's kind of. Yeah. Oh, I, you're probably going to mention it. Yeah. Yeah. And then he kind of wants to walk her home and then he's sort of like, you can tell that he then really likes her and she's like, but you might be a man, but you kind of just act like a little boy. And, yeah. You know, and I have a family. And I'm married, so I'm yeah. Not. She's like, I'm not doing that. I'm classy, too classy yeah. for that. I know who I am. Yeah, she does. She says, mm. "I know who I am." Yeah, and I just really, yeah, everything about her role is perfect. And then you know, the final role in the kitchen at home. There's like a complete story she tells just by like the look in her eyes and the yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, she's yelling at Loretta, like, "What are you doing?" Because yeah, the stupid dad is you know having an affair with some other lady, and then Rose is sort of knows about it but then then he's kind of like it doesn't matter and she's like no it does matter because like you're throwing my life away as well like the family Mm -hmm. we've built together and and then she goes do you love him loretta and she's like yeah i love him awful and she's like oh that's too bad (laughs) yes (laughs) it's like the perfect ending line for her too but i'm even captivated by well even at the table at dinner the john mahoney monologue about why he chases the younger girls. Mm. It actually opened my eyes a lot yeah. to this concept of the fear of death, but also that he and his students mm. sees like the youth in their eyes and wants just a little bit of that. Mm. Chasing that youthful mm. feeling. Yeah. Do we have any <laughs> thoughts? Because even uh, Loretta's dad, who's cheating on Olympia Dukakis's character, his problem is the fear of death too. Mm. He just wants to feel... Is it because men die yeah. earlier than women? <laughs> you know, because the ladies don't seem quite as preoccupied. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. Mm. Just thinking out loud here. Yeah. Any thoughts on mm. on that whole concept? Because I feel like it's a good portion of Moonstruck. Um, yeah, I do think that's an interesting point. I mean, you know, not being a man myself, I don't really know their whole fear of death thing because I don't. Yeah, maybe it is a men die younger than women. I don't know. Is it also uh, like accomplishment based, you think? Because like the um John Mahoney's John character? Mahoney, yeah. I wanted to say John Goodman, but I knew that was wrong. Sorry, because I keep thinking that Loretta's dad looks like John Goodman. So I keep, I don't know, thinking about him in the back of my brain. Um, but John Mahoney, he his character, it talk like he's a professor. So he and, and he's talking about like his all the knowledge he has and stuff and how the, the younger girls are looking at him like I don't know, like he's the smartest man in the world or something. And then um, Loretta's father says something about like, what is my mm-hmm. life? Like, mm-hmm. I haven't done anything with my life. And then her mom's like, yeah, you have. Like, I don't know. So maybe it's also like something with that, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Men are weird. I don't, <laughs> I don't So you're know. Olivia Dukakis's, I don't know. Like, I, you're on her camp yeah. on her side. Yeah, I think I'm her like, you know, what you don't know about women is a lot guy like i'm in i'm in that group but um yeah i mean it definitely it feels like every man in the movie except for loretta's uncle and the grandpa like they don't seem to care about you know fear of death mm-hmm. the uncle like you know he still loves his wife he still when he sees her he still sees you know the teenage version of her that he fell in love with all those years ago and he still just adores her and she adores him so mm-hmm. i really i love them as a pair and i mean the grandpa's just doing his own thing he's just wandering around him and his dogs staring up at the moon like he doesn't seem to care about 
and he's you know the oldest person in the movie he doesn't seem to care about that but yeah he has sort of all the tea younger, <laughs> yes yeah he's just wandering around like you know he sees rose out the front with john mahoney and he's kind of like i see you she's <laughs> like i see you like you know if you feed that dog my food one more time i'm like you know i'm gonna get you old man <laughs> like she's kind of like don't bring the noise at me. Yes. Um, I love at the end when he starts to cry at the dinner table and he's like, I'm just so confused. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he also can't and speak final, English. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think he can a little bit, but it's like he didn't need to because all his mates, they're all Italian as well. And they just hang out together all the time. And mostly he just talks to the dogs. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's then talk about the final dinner scene where everything comes to a head. I think it's one of the best scenes. Yeah, yeah, I love that scene with the um, the breakfast one where it's sort of like Loretta has rushed in because it's the night after the opera and she sort of rushed in and she's still in the outfit from last night. And then Johnny's coming home and like it's just it's all just chaos. chaotic. Ronnie's there and then everyone is there and then I love how while all this chaos is going on, Rose is still just making people breakfast. Like she's just you know cooking up all these like egg yeah. sandwiches. Like, do you want oatmeal? <laughs> on the stove while she's you know yelling at her husband and she's like laying down the law like don't say things like you haven't done anything with your life because like what does that mean for me like I'm I'm part of your life and that means what that I'm nothing and yeah and then the grandpa comes in and then Ronnie's there and then yeah John yelling about the mother's not dead and he's so excited which then she doesn't mind because she wants to break up with him and then Ronnie proposes and then it's all just but then weirdly Why? it's like Johnny's Still, like part of the family even though he's now not going to marry Loretta <laughs> it's kind of like yeah it's he's awkward. just there he gets the champagne like you know we're all and then the uncle and auntie come in because the night before because Cher is an accountant and does like the books for all these mm-hmm. businesses but she came and took their like days takings the day before and then it's sort of they're worried that she's stolen their money and she's like oh my god I'm so sorry like I've got the money here and it's like she gets it out of a person so then they just sit down and they're all just like, okay. And then, you know, they get engaged and everyone's just sitting there having yeah. breakfast around the table. And just, I really love that scene because it's just, it combines all of the, you know, family love story with the romantic love story and all just ties it off with like a neat little, little bow. <laughs> it does. Well, I feel like it's a very 80s trope as well, which I love of like oh. everyone just coming together at the end. It's like a play yeah. almost. Mm. And I, I love that. The theater dirty. Yeah. Love that. I love how like quickly <laughs> yeah, the engagement well. is called off and then a new engagement's <laughs> called back on. Like it happens so fast, like within yes. like a couple minutes. Yeah. And everyone's pretty cool with it. It's- yeah. And then she gives Johnny his ring back. Yeah. And it's like even Johnny's kind of okay with it because he was sort of like, mm, I guess like, you know. My mom, my mother's not dead, so now I don't need to rush and get married to make my mother happy. But yeah, and then she gives Johnny back his ring, and then Ronnie proposes, and then goes like, "Give me that ring back." So then she's got <laughs> the ring, the same ring again, where you know now engaged yeah. to a different brother. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Oh well, just everyone else is in their pajamas. Just a casual like <clears throat> Saturday morning. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, they all just take it in their stride. Like none of the rest of the family feel like it's. They just kind of go with it. They bust open the champagne mm-hmm. at the end. I don't yes. Know. I love the grandpa like telling Johnny, like, come here, have some, because you're a part of the family now. Yeah. 
Which I feel, you know, I feel like he needs to be taken in by someone because he's yeah. <laughs> he's just a bit sort of pathetic and like he needs people to tell him what to do. So I think he needs to be like taken in by by a family because he's just, you know, he's a bit useless, but in a lovable way. But he's definitely a useless kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Which good morning, by the way. It's it's so different because it's like night yes. time for us. Yeah. Good morning. You. Yes. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Yes, I'm in the future. It's um, Ooh, I'm, it like? I'm tomorrow. <laughs> um, you know, nothing exciting has happened yet, but um, you know, I can keep you posted. <laughs> Sounds good. There's, you know, anything that pops up that you need to know, that you need to know for your tomorrow. But um, yeah, cool. but it's eleven o'clock here, so eleven wow. o'clock a.m. in the future. Nice. <laughs> I feel like that's like a theme, uh, like loosely in Moonstruck too. It's like um. It's revolved around the moon, not time. But I think it's so fascinating how it's like. Yes. What am I trying to say? Do you know what I mean? Like the theme is very much. The moon, yeah. It, it almost. It's like time almost doesn't exist in this movie for a moment. And it's just about the moon. I don't know. Mm. Like, and the moon stays full for like a couple of nights, which it, you know, yeah. it doesn't usually happen, but it's you suspend the disbelief. Mm. So. But you also never see the moon that big because the moon is like massive. Every time you see the moon in this movie, it's almost like it's almost hilarious how big the moon is. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's just like you know, it's just looming in there in the window. Like, like the moon definitely becomes like its own character. It almost. does. Yes, it's like it. I feel like the it's moon's also- like the main character, really. But <laughs> pretty much, it's like share the moon and Nick Cage are like the stars of yeah. this movie. Yeah. Yeah. The moon should win an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, Oscar for the moon. Well, speaking oh, yeah. of Oscars, <laughs> it was nominated for six Oscars um, at the 1988 Academy Awards, and of course, Cher won sure. Best Actress. Um, mm-hmm. But Olympia Dukakis won Supporting Actress, and the Best Original Screenplay went to Moonstruck as well. well that's really cool. I mean, the script is brilliant, and I love that and it's very it has similarities to John Patrick Shanley's other scripts because he also wrote Joe versus the Volcano which brought us the first Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks cinematic pairing which and that also that was written that came out in 1990 but yeah there's the moon plays kind of a big part in that film as well he's just a moon guy yeah I think a lot of chaotic but I just I just really love his script, they're, like, they're quirky. They always have kind of like a fantastical sort of element to them. But, but I mean, that's odd because he wrote films like that, but he also wrote the screenplay for Doubt with Meryl oh. Streep and Amy Adams. So it's like right on the... <laughs> oh. you know, huh, that's kind of... so interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I, I think actually he wrote the play of Doubt because it was a play first mm-hmm. and then he w- turned it into a movie. Which, when you were saying before about the breakfast scene feeling sort of theatrical, he is a playwright as well. So that, you know, that makes sense that he'd kind of write theatrical kind of elements in as well. But yeah, I think he's just a big moon guy. I love that. (laughs) I also love in this film how it's almost like there's this fantastical event with the moon, but it's like a different path these characters can go down. Like they can either have these affairs 
or they can have an affair like oh. the dad and course correct, or they can choose a different brother to love that's more like brings out the you know choices. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the moon's kind of just like opening it up and going, you know, it's it's moonstruck time. You can kind of <laughs> do whatever. I'm giving you all the options. You just for yeah, sure. Yeah, the kind of chaos of the moon ebbs a bit and then everyone kind of lands at the end kind of where they should be and everything everything's yeah. sorted out like there aren't any affairs anymore they're all they're all done and hopefully it yeah, stays that way i know hopefully the moon doesn't rile them up again <laughs> yes the following month or something. <laughs> I don't know. yes i hope so in their massive house in brooklyn which i think that house the that was the exterior of the house i think it was up for sale a few years oh. ago and it was like really expensive i think it was like oh, wow. <clears throat> it went up for because, because everyone thing. was like the moonstruck house <laughs> yeah but also i think it's like a massive because i don't think they just live in like one apartment in this building i feel like they kind of live in like at least one of the floors or both floors yeah pretty much the whole family lives there yeah but yeah i feel like they own this entire building so I know it kind of looks like the Hey Arnold apartment. It does. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's actually what I picture them now. I picture if any of them are still alive, like the fictional Moonstruck characters, I feel like the grandpa probably passed away and they just made it like a, a room and board. And John Mahoney's there mm, just yeah. renting a room or being weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, apparently it's a four-story townhouse, and it was listed for twelve million. Oh wow, wow. That's a lot. in February, and then oh, apparently it was bought by Amy Schumer. Oh, oh whoa! Wow. But okay. Apparently, last year I think she bought it. But yeah, I suppose if it's a you know four-story, you're buying the whole thing, twelve million. And, um, nice. Good for Amy Schumer. I know. Let her live her Moonstreet Street. Is it in Brooklyn? Yeah, it is in Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn Heights. Okay. Um, Cranberry Street. Oh, okay. cool. Cool, cool street. Cranberry Street. It sounds lovely. Cranberry Street. Sounds like a Taylor Swift kind of street. She <laughs> <Yes. out. laughs> got Cornelia Street, yeah. got Cranberry Street. <laughs> yes. That's where people <laughs> get moonstruck. Maybe that. Have affairs. Well, maybe that'll be Taylor's song about Travis. Yes. Cranberry Street. <laughs> Yeah, never know. Yeah. So is Moonstruck a Christmas movie or a New Year's movie? Where do we classify this? Um, Yeah, I feel like it's one I don't really classify it as being a holiday movie. But yeah, then I watch it every time I go, oh, yeah, it does actually have some Christmas. It's around Christmas time, but I just never think of it as that. Yeah, I think I was just forget those elements of it and then people go, oh, it could be a Christmas film. And then I go, oh, yeah, it could be. Yeah, it's not like, you know, like while you were sleeping, like films like that, that instantly my brain goes like, that's a Christmas movie. It's not, Moonstruck doesn't. I feel like it gives New Year energy though. Like, yeah, like Mm. fresh beginnings, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like the moon represents (laughs) something. I don't know, something about it. Because isn't it also in between the time of christmas and new year's or yes that odd time that's yeah. also a time which feels like anything can happen it's like a no like it's a weird period of time too yeah because it always feels like we're just like in limbo 
Yeah. Oh, Some of the characters are in this movie, I feel, to a degree. Yes. Until they, they, you know, wrap it up at the end, then they figure things out. <laughs> but they are in this limbo for most of the film. Mm. Yeah. It's just interesting they chose that time, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a weird sort of like liminal space of time. That's like a weird... I mean, I think in Australia that time feels even stranger because usually people are on holiday then. But I know in the States, you know, it's sort of Christmas and then everyone goes back to work because people have holidays in the summer and kids have to go back to school after Christmas. But, yeah, but we have, because it's summer here, for Christmas, you know, that's when we take our holidays. So it's kind of, it feels even more, more sort of odd because pretty much everyone's like at home, businesses have closed for the week and everyone is kind of just floating around in this weird <clears throat> time but i suppose in america people are kind of just you know it's christmas and then they're back to it just but we don't well, do that here <laughs> you know what i actually it is more of like a holiday period for us too but the sad part is the weather's not nice because it's winter not summer so it's just the uh, even more yes. of a limbo <laughs> and then you go back to work so mm. see we have the reverse we like always go i want i want a snowy christmas i want a winter christmas because you know we see so many christmas films and christmas songs and everything that it's you know it's snowing it's a snowy christmas it's a white christmas but yeah i've never had a white christmas and i definitely would like one at some point because yeah yeah. i'm gonna do like in the movie the holiday you know you could yeah we could holiday swap Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Well, I mean, here it doesn't in, snow. At the end of- so, yeah, it still doesn't snow. But uh, that's sad. I'll have to find somewhere that snows and go like, yeah. hey, let's do a swap. Because, I mean, people always want to come to Australia. People like, the minute I tell people that I'm Australian, everyone's like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And I'm always like, mm, more cool where you're from. But, like, anyway. But- <laughs> you got to have, like, the perfect, like, Chicago but, Christmas. Yeah. Be, like, very home alone the quintessential one yes yes but um yeah i mean for the end of 2020 my mom and i were planning to you know do christmas in new york but clearly you know things happened in the world and um that didn't happen and you know but we it's definitely you know the new yorky christmasness of it all and to see the rockefeller center tree and there's yeah i've been there in november just before the tree went up, and I was like, "Oh, I've always like I've missed it. I've missed that kind of go ice skating." Yeah, other t- <clears throat> yes, I mean, I'm not really much of a skater, but I do like just sitting, you know, in the food court bit in the Rockefeller Center and just watching everyone in the ice rink. Like, I yeah, I could just sit there for hours because it's just just soaking in all that snow and all the Christmas vibes and everything. But it's magical. Yeah. It's just so. other times I've. I've been in the States for Halloween. So it's kind of to stay for Christmas would mean I'd be on holiday for about three months. And that doesn't, that doesn't work. So <laughs> no, next time I'm, it will just have to be for Christmas. <laughs> definitely. Well, any, any more Moonstruck talk before we wrap this thing up? Uh, I feel like it's just a really special movie. Like it's a little underrated. I don't know. Do people still think about Moonstruck? I hope so. Hmm. I think people do. I feel like people talk about it a bit more. Like it's getting a kind of moonstruck renaissance sort of thing. But yeah, I definitely, it definitely deserves more attention again. Like I definitely hope 
more people see it because it's just yeah it's just a fantastic film and it's just got everything like the performances are amazing but it's a really fantastic script as well and it's just yeah it's kind of everything that you'd want a rom-com to be like it's it definitely a classic you know, yeah it's up there yeah yeah it's definitely up there with you know Nora's films for me definitely like, you know, you've got mail moonstruck sleepless they're all kind of you know in the rotation they're all they're all up there in the like you know the top tier rom-com level so what is your favorite Nora Ephron film um it's definitely you've got mail that's always been that's always been my favorite I think also just because I I've always wanted to own a bookstore <laughs> so I just like you know I've always wanted to be Kathleen Kelly yeah but yeah I think that even though I've seen <clears throat> there's some other Nora films I hadn't seen that I have for the podcast but yeah it's always going to be you've got mail for me that's always that's my fave where do you yeah. stand on Julie and Julia I haven't seen a couple of times I don't I do like it I think I, but I feel like almost it would I'd like the movie more if it was just about Julia Child and you took away the Julie bit but but you know I do like it it is a good film it's you know for Nora's final film it's just so Nora because it's all just about food and she loved Julia Child and she loved food and it just probably the foodiest Nora film but it, yeah I do really I do really like it as well. It's not, yeah, it's not my favorite, but it's definitely one of her really, you know, solid films. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it gets a bad rap, but I do agree about the Julia Child bit being leaps and bounds better than the Amy Adams portion. Yeah, I think I just every time I watch it, I'm like, I just want more of like so some Meryl Streep. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I always want more Meryl yeah. Streep in a movie. I always think of when um, yeah. Meryl and, and Jane Lynch that- go too tall about like men. Yes. <laughs> I think it works perfectly that Meryl was in Nora Ephron's final film because, you know, Nora Ephron's first theatrical screenplay was Silkwood. So Meryl's in that, you know, Meryl played a version of Nora in Heartburn. So I think it just, it works That's well as the Meryl sort of Nora trilogy, like tying the whole thing together. But, yeah, I mean, it's, I know it's not. I know I'm not interviewing you guys, but what are your favorite Nora films? I also love You Got Mail. <laughs> I feel like that one. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, I like Harry when Harry met Sally. I That's like- uh, Rob Reiner, mm-hmm. but I think oh, she wrote it- the. Does that count? Yeah, no, no. Like, I mean, we covered when Harry met Sally. It definitely counts because yeah, it was directed by Rob Reiner, but it's a Nora script and. Nora was really involved in the making of the film as well because yeah I think other films she'd kind of write the film and then the director sort of you know she wasn't involved that much or like My Boo Heaven that she kind of felt like the director ruined her script because she wasn't involved in any way but I mean Rob Reiner really brought Nora into the whole process and I mean because Sally is based on Nora Mm -hmm. as well so it's kind of half her film. I think it definitely counts. I you've got mail or heartburn. It's probably my pick. I'm just always curious what people's <laughs> favorite movie are. Have you ever gotten Bewitched or Michael? Because those are wild ones. Um, no, but um, I personally love Bewitched. 
justice for Bewitched. Like I just, I think yeah. it gets a bad rap and it doesn't, doesn't deserve it. It's, you know. I remember being fun. cute. And also I love it's... that because she wrote it with her. Yeah. I think it's cute. And it's also really, it's got like layers of meta-ness because it's sort of, Nora wrote it with her sister Delia. And, you know, they brought in their experiences working in the entertainment industry. And I like that it's, you know, a film about, you know, a remake of a remake. Like, it, you know, it's all these layers. I really like it, but I know a lot of people are down on Bewitched, which is not fair. It's got Will Ferrell, and, though. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to have to revisit it because I stand Nicole Kidman. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's such a different Nicole Kidman sort of role, like, especially when you compare it to the other time she played a witch in Practical Magic. Like, they're just, you know, completely day and night sort of characters but yeah I just think it, it's cute I don't get the problem I really I don't understand and yeah our next episode is about Michael yeah that was actually a really interesting one to cover because I'd seen that a lot as a kid but I didn't know it was a Nora Ephron film right because it sort of compared to our other films it's sort of like mm, it just doesn't feel like a Nora movie I don't know it's odd yeah, that's another one of those blockbuster as a kid movies. It just always was around Ooh. John Travolta with, with the long hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I saw it a lot because my mom loves Michael. So I I saw it like a lot. I mean, it was probably Never like our first movie. Fun film. But <laughs> well, it's our, it's our next movie that we're covering on the podcast around the corner. So you'll have to uh, check the movie out before you have a listen. But for sure. Yeah. But we did, you know. It's a good movie. It's just when looking at it through a Nora lens, it's a bit odd, but it is a good film. Well, we are Nora Efron stands, and we also stand the podcast around the corner. We just had our birthday, our first birthday in September, so it's oh, really exciting. It's been it's been such a fun year of you know. I mean, I've been a Nora Efron fan pretty much my whole life, but yeah, there's so much more that I'm finding out about her and other films that I hadn't seen and like another one of Nora's films that's probably one of my new favorites is This Is My Life was her directorial debut and it's just like it's just a really wonderful movie but a lot of people haven't heard of that one but definitely check that one out because it's really it's just like straight out the gate it's like she was just a perfect director straight away and it's just it's so Nora that whole she makes no jokes no she just like everything was like you know, hits. Even Mixed Nuts, which a lot of people are mean about that, but... I've never seen that one either, well. but it looks... It looks like it'd be entertaining. We're definitely team Mixed Nuts, Dan and I, because a lot of people are anti-Mixed Nuts, but we like Love it. it. It's, it's fun. It, it's a, like, it's zany. It's based on a French farce. It's Christmas. It's Nora. Like, Steve, it's Martin. Steve Martin. Well, where can we find you and the podcast around the corner? Uh, you can find the podcast around the corner we're on we're still on twitter who again who knows how long that's gonna last i feel like i say this all the time but like twitter might implode but um (laughs) yeah yeah, we're on instagram and twitter but instagram's definitely the place to be that's where i post most of our kind of fun extra content and stuff but yeah it we're just at the nora podcast on twitter and instagram and you can also find us at on the Cage Club Network website, which is cageclub.me. So, um, yeah, all our episodes are on there. And we're also 
wherever you find your podcasts. Cool beans. And you also have a lovely Twitter and Instagram, personally. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Well, um, my personal Instagram is private, but I am on Twitter at Shawnee Mead. And um, yeah, I'm pretty much either tweeting about Nora or Halloween. That's that's pretty much all I've got right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a vibe. I love this. So big fan. Thank you so much, Shawnee, for coming on. And we should do it again. Anytime, girl. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for inviting me. It's like, when you invited me and said I could pick the film, I was like, oh my God, it's exciting. And, you know, Moonstruck just stuck out to me as a perfect choice. But um, yeah, so thank you. And I love your show as well. I'm a big fan. Thank Thanks. you. Thank yeah, you. thank, thank you. you for being on. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. A Huda Media Production.